reading from Colossians 1, 9 to 12. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. God bless you. Thanks, Pat. So this morning we're continuing in the book chapter 1. Uh, for those of you who might not be aware, we started uh, a series here at Thornhill Baptist Church in the book of Colossians, and we're, we're moving swiftly through the book. I think this is sermon number 5 or 6, and we're still in the first 12 verses, so, uh, so we're getting as much as we can out of God's Word. All right. So before we get started here, I'm just going to open up in a little word of prayer uh, to calm my nerves a little bit here, and uh, I think it's a very valuable way before we get into the message. So please pray with me one more time. Father God, it's been said this morning that uh, because of Jesus Christ, we can come before you humbly, but nonetheless, we can come before a holy God through the power of the Holy Spirit and receive truth. God, I pray that your word would come alive in each of our hearts this morning and, and just unpack what this powerful prayer in the book of Colossians has for our life today. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, what do you pray for when you pray? We had a few moments here in prayer this morning, which was very good, very valuable, and that is the, the topic of conversation this morning. So I want you to sit, have that question sit in your mind this morning about what do you pray for when you pray? Family, friends, as we have this morning. What are you praying for them? How regularly do you pray? These are just a few questions that we want to keep in mind as we interact with the message this morning. What do our prayer lives look like? Now, I don't know about you, but certainly for myself, I'll admit that there are times when I feel like my prayers are making very little impact. And my question is, do you ever get tired of not knowing how to pray effectively? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to sit down and pray with some of those great prayer warriors of the past? I wonder what it would be like to sit down and pray with Mother Teresa or maybe sit down and have a prayer time with George Mueller, or even C.S. Lewis, what would their prayers look like? Or maybe even sit down and have a time of prayer with some of my heroes today, maybe Billy Graham, or Francis Chan, or Mark Driscoll. Or what would it be like if we could sit down and maybe pray with some of our brothers and sisters from Scripture, like David, or Esther, or Joshua, or Mary, mother of Jesus? What would a prayer time with them look like? Think about somebody that you consider a strong, mighty prayer warrior. Now, you might know them personally. It could be somebody that you, you don't know. But think about somebody in your own mind who has an incredible prayer life. How do they pray? 
Do you ever just listen to them pray? Are their prayers short and sweet? Or are they bathed in a lot of scripture? Or do they tend to get pretty emotional when they pray? Or do they get very poetic? How do they pray? How do you pray? Some people's prayers are slow and drawn out, but they're deep and they're passionate. And while they may be as dry as toast, they're coming from a place of deep connectedness with the Lord. Well, Paul Godhard, the the creator of this Colossian sermon series, tells a story of one of his friends named Tony, who sought out a prayer mentor early in his Christian life. And this prayer mentor, this guy who was, had an amazing prayer life. And in order to learn, Tony asked this guy, you know what, would it be all right if I just sat in a room with you while you prayed and, and I just listened? And Tony said that most of his prayers were pretty similar to yours and mine, just about the same as everybody else. But he said while he was praying, he would pause And then he would respond to God in a different way. And the next thing you know, his prayers would go off in a completely different direction. For example, the man might be praying for the healing of a friend or a family member. And he would say, Lord, I'm praying that you would heal this person. I know that you have all the healing power in the world. Yes, I understand that this has to be a part of your will. But God, how can I know that this is your will in this situation? I understand that your will is for us to be sanctified, Father. So Lord, then I pray that this situation, you would sanctify us, sanctify them completely. And what Tony said was, it was like listening to two people talk in a room, except only one was audible and only one was present. Because prayer is a conversation between you and God Almighty. But there has to be sharing. That's us talking, but it's also us listening. I don't know about you guys, but wouldn't it be pretty cool to sit and watch someone and listen to somebody pray like that? I want to be a person who learns from other followers of Jesus who have walked the Christian life a lot longer than I have. I want to be discipled by faithful followers who have walked with Jesus a lot longer. I want to learn how to preach from those who are proven preachers. I want to learn to lead from those who are proven leaders. And I want to learn to pray from those who are proven prayer warriors. And just praying regularly and and listening and watching them rock the gates of heaven. That's what I think, that's what I want to learn from is people who have passionate prayer lives. And this morning we have the opportunity, we get a chance to sit in the prayer closet with the Apostle Paul. And this is what we're going to find in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. We're going to see that Paul's prayers, uh, what they look like, but also what Paul expects to happen on the other side of those prayers. And when we see this prayer in verses 9 through 12, keep in mind that the number one rule in biblical interpretation is that the Bible is God's word. So it's not just the Apostle Paul's prayer that we're reading here. This is the Holy Spirit interceding through Paul, and we're seeing what the Holy Spirit has to say about these believers in Colossians. That's pretty cool. I want us to quickly look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Some of you got your Bibles here. You can just pull it out, flip over to Romans 8, or you've got an iPod or an iPhone app, or you can follow on the screen behind. But here we go. This is a, a reminder of how the Holy Spirit works through the prayer life of a believer. 
And it says here, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, as we're going along, let us remember what makes this prayer in Colossians powerful, and that is the fact that it comes from the Holy Spirit. So do you ever get tired of just sometimes feeling like you're stumbling through your prayer life? A feeling like that, sometimes, you know, the same words, the same phrases, the same ideas, uh, you know, you have an idea the way a prayer ought to go, and that's the way you do it. I mean, some of us actually have memorized, set out prayers, and we don't even know it. And somebody goes into the hospital, and we pray, you know, dear God, would you be with the doctors and the nurses? Would you provide wisdom and give comfort to the families? Do you ever feel like sometimes the prayers just don't get a lot more deeper than that? Do you ever feel like sometimes there just might be a little bit more to prayer than we're tapping into? Because I certainly feel like that. I feel like sometimes my prayers are lacking a little bit, at least occasionally. I feel like there are times when my prayers are just a little bit short-sighted. And it goes like this. Somebody says, Freddie, I need a job. And I say, dear God, would you give this person a job? Freddie, I need some money. I need $500. Dear God, would you, would you provide some money for this person? Or they say, I'm sick. And say, dear God, would you heal this person? Now, as a leader, especially in Christian ministry, when it comes to leading my students and providing counseling or, or giving advice to others, my job is not just to look at the symptoms, but to actually focus and to get down into the source of the issue. Because sad to say, sometimes I feel like in my prayer life with others, I just stay at the symptom level. I pray for the things I can see. And I wonder sometimes, you know, God, what is the source behind this person's issue? What does this person really need at this moment? Shouldn't it be connecting with the Lord God Almighty and getting to know Him? Shouldn't that be the first and primary thing? And then the Lord in His wisdom will help me to have an effective prayer for this person. So how do you take the next step to get to a deeper level of intimacy with our Father God? How do you and I take that next step to go to a deeper level with our Father in heaven? Because we want to be able to effectively pray for one another. Somebody shares a need with you and they say, hey, you know what? I need some help over here. And you say, dear God, can you be with this person? And can you bless this person during this difficult time and help them to make it through? Well, wouldn't it be awesome that the next time somebody says, I'm in trouble, I need help, would you pray for me? Wouldn't it be awesome to know that your prayers are lining up completely with the will of God for that person's life and situation at that time? I think that would be a pretty great feeling. To be able to walk out of our prayer time with the person knowing that you didn't just gloss over the issues, but that you really engaged God for that person. That's why this prayer that we find today in Colossians verses one, verses, chapter 1, verses 9 to 12 applies to everybody. Because it deals with the source and not just the symptoms. To pray effectively for another, we need to pray into the source of the issue and not just about the symptoms. This prayer does have the potential to make some radical changes in a person's life. Other than maybe somebody saying, 
God, I am lost. I'm a sinner. I need you to save and change my life. This prayer has the power to transform somebody's life. And it's only 17 words long in the New American Standard Bible. So let's read it again. I'll invite you again. You can follow along on the screen. Um, we're going to start in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day that we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power and his glorious might, attaining of all steadfastness and, and patience, joyous, joyously giving thanks to the Lord who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So if you had one thing to pray over someone you love, what would it be? What would it be according to this text? Well, Paul's prayer for the Colossian believers is this. God, please fill them with the knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And from a quick glance, it looks like this prayer goes on, verse 10, verse 11, verse 12, and that the prayer kind of breaks down into five or six points. But I'm going to suggest that the prayer is actually just verse 9. God, please fill them with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, some of you might say, well, but Freddie, the scripture actually goes on after that. Three more verses. And it talks about walking in a worthy manner. That they might please God. That they might bear fruit in every good work. And it just keeps going on. Well, the reason that I think the prayer is only in verse 9 is because of two little words that you find in verse 10. And those two little words are, so that... And I would have missed this had I not had a good commentary and a good series to follow by. Uh, but I learned this this week as well. So that God, you will fill them with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that, in other words, these are the things now that he wants to happen as a result of the prayer in verse 9. And so that all these other things can take place. Now, in verse 9, Paul says, this is what I'm praying for. And verse 10 through 12, he says, this is why I'm praying for it. This is how the pieces fit together. So the question on the table this morning is, do you feel like your prayers are ever lacking something? Like they're a little bit short-sighted. People need money, you pray for money. People are sick, you pray for healing. And that type of prayer never really gets into the source of the issue. It just deals with the symptoms. You know, why does a person need a job? What has happened? Why are they sick? Maybe there's something more to the story. Why do they need money? Maybe there's more to pray over than just the symptoms. And the Holy Spirit's prayer here through Paul is saying that he doesn't want to just skim the surface and have a shallow prayer. He wants to dig deep into a person's life. And this prayer not only goes down to the root of the problem, you begin to see the benefits and the blessings start to roll out in verse 10, 11, and 12. So let's go through verse 10, 11, and 12 and see how God answers this prayer. Here are some of the things you can expect after you pray a prayer in verse 9 like this. You can expect a worthy walk, a fruitful life, an intimate knowledge of God, the strength of God, the endurance of God, 
and a thankful heart. Well, how many of you think that that's a pretty good thing? That God would bless your spouse or bless your kids or bless your coworkers or your classmates with answers like that. I mean, the scripture says all of these things flow out of a person who is filled with the knowledge of God in his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as we move on, we want to apply this the right way. Because if we just jump into the text, you know, sometimes... We, we, we just repetitively pray things out. Sometimes the Pharisees would take the Lord's Prayer and, and not have any sincerity. Just, just get the words out. Just get the words out. And it's not the prayer that's wrong, but Jesus reminds us and he tells the Pharisees that they're not going to be heard for their many words, but the motivation of their heart. So it's not about memorizing a specific prayer and, and praying the same things over and over repetitively. But it's about the motivation and checking your heart before you pray. Do you want to connect with Jesus and abide in him? Then you're in the right spot to begin praying. Because this is not um, a magical prayer, some sort of hocus-pocus prayer. If you say it ten times and spin around in front of the mirror, your life is going to automatically change. This is a prayer that when it comes from a fully devoted follower of Christ with a sincere heart, and sincerity of prayer, it does have the ability to transform and change those around you. Because it's prayed not from memorization, not from a repetitive stance, but because of the power and the source from which the prayer actually comes. And that prayer again is that God, please fill us with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we keep digging deeper and Paul, why does Paul pray this prayer at this time for the Colossian believers. Think about this statement for a minute. Our prayers identify our needs. So if we're to pray, dear God, please help Doug's doctors find the most serious needs right now. I pray that healing would take place and comfort would come to his family. And so when you hear me pray like that, does it sound like, like Doug just got a promotion at his job or Doug just got married or... Or does it sound like Doug was probably in a serious accident? Probably a serious accident because our prayers identify our needs. And when Paul prays this prayer in verse 9, he's praying for the specific needs of a group of believers in the church of Colossae. He's not praying for the sake of praying. He's praying to address a very specific need that's going on in this church and the needs that they're dealing with. And if you remember from the opening sermon in this series... There are heretical teachers coming into the church. There's false teaching starting to creep into the church at Colossae. And these false teachers are saying that this is what God really says, and I've got some secret knowledge and some hidden knowledge, and if you just knew this, then your life would be better. Jesus is not sufficient for your life. He's not enough for your salvation. He's not enough for maturity in Christ. You, you need a little bit more. If you have Jesus plus what I have, then you'd really be a lot better. And they were under this theological attack. And at the time that Paul was praying this, uh, he's saying, God, would you fill them with the knowledge of your will and spiritual wisdom and understanding? Because the teachings that were coming against the church at Colossae, they're part of a larger movement of something called Gnosticism. And uh, Gnosticism, well, first, agnostics, agnosticism. An agnostic is somebody who's without knowledge of God. And they would be somebody who says, you know what? 
I don't know if God exists, and even if he did, I'm not sure we could really know him very well at all. Well, a Gnostic is the complete opposite of that. A Gnostic says, I do know God, and I have a little bit more knowledge. They claim to have extra, hidden, secret knowledge, more than what Paul has revealed um, to the Colossians. They say that they have a deep knowledge of God. And so Gnostics, they take a bunch of stuff from Greek philosophy and they mix it in with other beliefs and practices, especially Christian doctrine. And some of the things that these Gnostics believed that they were getting into the church was that they taught Jesus was only a man. He wasn't God. And they, the way to salvation is not through Jesus Christ and the cross, but it's through more knowledge. They also taught that the world was created by a lesser being, and they taught that Christ was the divine spirit, and this Christ, the spirit, came down on Jesus during his baptism, but he left Jesus on the cross. So they would say Christ did not actually die, just Jesus died. And these were common Gnostic teachings at the time that were starting to come into the church, and the church leader in Colossae is Epaphras, and he's worried that the believers are going to get lost when this Greek philosophy creeps in. So some of you might be saying, well, you know what, Freddie? That's fine. Let's get back to the prayer because uh, I don't think we have to worry about Gnostic issues anymore in 2013. And, and to a certain degree, you're right, kind of. But, I mean, if you drive home today, you're not going to pass Thornhill Gnostic Church on the corner. But... Today, Gnosticism can be found in Mormonism, Christian science, Jehovah Witness, Scientology, New Age philosophy. Every modern cult is the same in the fact that they misrepresent Jesus Christ. They misrepresent the nature of who Jesus is and the redemptive work of what Christ did on the cross. When it comes to people who claim to be Christians like, like a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon, the Jesus that they believe in is different than the Jesus that we believe in. And, and this false teaching was creeping into Colossae. And so these Gnostics claim that they have deep, hidden, secret knowledge, and Paul is just talking about being filled with the divine and complete knowledge and full knowledge of God. So Paul turns it around on these false teachers, and he says, you need God's full and complete knowledge. And that will change how you operate. And the last part of that prayer, he talks about spiritual wisdom. And we'll close with this. What is spiritual wisdom? Spiritual wisdom is simply the ability to collect and concisely organize principles from Scripture. What is understanding? Understanding is applying those principles to your day-to-day -day life. And so Paul and his companions, they, they have not stopped praying, it says, for the people at Colossae. And, and his prayer in verse 9, it might be short, but it's powerful. God, please fill them with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It doesn't get any deeper than that. And this prayer is applicable to all of us. For anything that we face in life. Imagine what it would look like if this prayer was the deepest heart cry and the deepest desire of all of us who claim to follow Jesus Christ. But we don't have to imagine what it would be look, 
what it would look like because he reveals it in verse 10 about what it would look like. If you were to make Paul's prayer for the Colossian believers your own prayer, read verse 10, 11, and 12, and those are what Paul expects to happen in result of this prayer. You will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the obtaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This is our message for this morning. This is a powerful prayer in the letter to the Colossians. We're going to close with a hymn. We're going to invite Chris up here. We're going to close with a hymn, and then uh, and we'll have a benediction and a closing prayer. But if you're struggling in your prayer life, flip open the book of Colossians. Read chapter 1, verse 9. What is God's will for your life? The knowledge of God's will for your life will make all the difference in your spiritual understanding and wisdom. And then verse 10, 11, and 12 is what that will look like. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> 94, fill me now. Oh
we pray that you fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual understanding and wisdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. Be blessed. We're dismissed.